You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 374, the downfall of Katie Hopkins, the stress of promoting perfect lifestyles on Instagram, and our sudden worldwide obsession with mattresses. It's all coming up after Fleetwood Mac and the Green Manalishi with the two prong crown. I was driving back through the Surrey Hills late one night earlier this week. Uh, It was very dark 
uh, with no streetlights. And this track um, popped up on my Spotify playlist and it sounded wonderfully eerie and atmospheric. I bet. I'm surprised you lived to tell the tale. <laughs> I probably would have just had some sort of heart attack and died, I think. Oh, these big tall trees, Jules, and the, the sort of mm. shadows and everything. It was, and, and then this came out and I thought, this is absolutely perfect. Um, there have been more variations to the lineup of Fleetwood Mac over the years than there are stars in the sky mm, this but, is true yes all people in the world i think <laughs> most likely in fact probably you and i are, are, are the only people who've either never been in the fall or in fleetwood mac no mm. although i had high hopes in the early noughties when sugar boats were doing their bizarre kind of mm. national service style policy of membership that i might be called up for a few months <laughs> but unfortunately i never got my papers <laughs> that that was from the era we now call peter green's fleetwood mac mm. uh, an era for which i have much affection of course from the summer of 1970 and reaching number 10 on the UK Top 40, Fleetwood Mac and the Green Manalishi with the two-prong crown. Which is very catchy and also involves brackets, which I'm always heavily pro in song titles. In uh, Louise, um, I think it's pronounced Wiener, in Louise Wiener's mm. um, book, uh, Autobiography Different for Girls, there's a rather sort of eye-catching tale in it of one of the band, when they're sort of trying to get on and they're not really getting anywhere, has a job working as a sort of receptionist slash orderly in a, a hostel and he does night shifts somewhere in london and one of the, the residents of the hostel is peter green of peter green's fleetwood mac mm. and he still gets sent royalty checks and because peter green is in a, a bit of a state yeah. generally and doesn't really have a bank account it's this chap's job to put them yellowing into a drawer and lock them up in the hope that one day <laughs> peter green from fleetwood mac will be able to cash his royalty checks which is a like i say rather an eye-catching tale yeah amazing um welcome to the podcast from the Parish Council. It's episode 373. I'm Terence Stackham. Let's find out if she wears a two-prong crown. It's Juliet Harris. I mean, I'm saving up for one, so I'll let you know once it eventually kind of emerges on my head. In the meantime, good morning, everybody. Um, my hesitation there was, was appropriate because it's not episode 373, it's 374. Indeed, <laughs> just a blink and another one passes <laughs> oh, <no>. by. <sighs> I, no, I, as I said, 373, yeah. I thought, no, that was last week, so I sort of hesitated. <laughs> I was oh. going to say that how many archivist fans frowning well, and crossing yeah, through so another no. note in their book. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, after appearing in the UK version of The Apprentice and then subsequently mm. looking for future employment, back in 2013, Katie Hopkins reinvented herself as a sort of professional troll. Um, mm, which, which is peculiar in itself, isn't it, really? It's a strange job title, yes. Well, whatever <laughs> might seem as a sensible opinion on a topic of the day, Miss Hopkins takes the opposite view, presumably to create clickbait and ratchet up more personal notoriety for herself and thus more public appearances and newspaper columns. In her 2013 um, regeneration Katie Hopkins appeared on the ITV programme this morning stating that she wouldn't let her children play with other children with lower class names including geographical location names either. <laughs> she mentioned the, the name Chardonnay. Philip Schofield then I mean point- to be fair that's after a wine I don't think that's after the region. <laughs> that's right. Philip Schofield then pointed out to her that she had actually named one of her own children, India, 
after a geographical location. <laughs> I mean, when you when you are in a position whereby uh, <laughs> Philip Schofield is doing a Paxman on you, one has to wonder. Well, now such a, a basic error would have had me running out of the studio red faced, and I would probably. I'd, wake... I'd have cried probably. I, th- I mean, I cry at most things, but I would definitely <laughs> have cried at that. I would have woken in a cold sweat every. Day every morning for the rest of my life. I, think I, would I been... possibly would have woken in a coma, to be honest. I'm mm. not sure I could have dealt with it. But Miss Hopkins just continued mm. with the controversial opinion selling with multicultural society off on top of her hit list. Now, yes. f- fast forward to today, and Katie Hopkins has had to sell her house in Exeter, take out an individual voluntary arrangement as a result mm. of a legal decision against her. She has, it seems, lost everything in terms of home and money. Now, Jules. Do you feel sorry for Katie Hopkins? Is it possible to feel sympathy for the devil? Well, well, absolutely. That's it, isn't it, really? I mean, I've been thinking about this quite a lot because there have been, uh, to be honest, quite quite a lot of Girl from Ipomina-style cheery glee Mm. being kind of thrown around the social medias about this. Um, Not least, uh, lots of people honing in on a tweet that she tweeted some years ago saying that she basically uh, blamed individual people for their plight of getting into debt and people should manage their money better. And guess what? Here we are. And she's got no money. Through entirely fault of her own. And and I think it's worth sort of looking at the chain of events by which she kind of got here and actually it does go back to um, her sort of Philip Schofield would-be monstering where she just kind of carried on really. She um, she tweeted, she always um, she always tweets at speed, tweets in haste and then doesn't mm. exactly repent at leisure if you see what I mean. Yes. Uh, it would be it would be alright if she actually repented at leisure but I don't think she even gets that far most of the time but she, she tweeted a sort of a rant um, she was trying to refer to Laurie Penny and a discussion about vandalising um, a war memorial as part of a sort of, um, I think it was a class war protest or something like that, it was, it was an anti-austerity protest I think and one of the war memorials in London got, got damaged and she was trying to do discuss Laurie Penny's potential involvement in this or, po- or you know, possible not involved. I think Laurie Penny had been tweeting about it. Mm. So Katie Hopkins was trying to have a pop at her. And in what appeared to be a genuine, mista- genuine mistaken identity mm. went for Jack Munro instead, who said, look, this wasn't me. You've got that wrong. Can you take that down, please? To which Katie Hopkins should have just said, mm. oh, sorry about that, and taken it down. Or she should, or she could have just said nothing and taken it down, which wouldn't have been that polite, but it would have at least got mm. her out of the hole. But she didn't and wouldn't and, and dug in. As a result of which, I think she picked the wrong person mm. to take on because Jack Munro, who is articulate and 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 you know well you had has this kind of knowledge sued her for libel and won and uh, obviously she would win and again I suspect that Casey Hopkins was told at various points by mm. her lawyers I mean if I, I, I don't know for sure but I suspect if I it, I used to do a little bit of libel back in the day mm. and usually you dig in on libel and you kind of you know it's a bit of a game of brinkmanship libel but mm. I think even in this case I would have gone look I, I think I don't think we're going to win this I think we've got to try and we've got to try and make an offer at an early stage and she and, and, and it ended up going to court and Jack Monroe won and this is where and 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 as a result of which jack Monroe won, won damages but because casey hopkins had let it get to that stage uh, she had to pay pay quite severe damages as well i think to jack Monroe and costs and the costs are what really gets you mm. on these kind of litigation accidents because that that's what racks up particularly if and i i won't bore everybody by going to details <laughs> here but but the part of litigation is that you can make offers to settle the case during during the sort of the litigation so you have the 
main course of litigation. You have this kind of, without prejudice, secret conversations. And by mm. secret, I mean they don't get put in front of the judge, where you're debating over... And the, and, and the whole idea of it was, and it was something that the Labour government brought in, was to, in 98, was to try and encourage people to settle lit- litigation without it going to court. So the idea was that if you talked about settling costs... That wasn't something that would prejudice your case. So you weren't seen to be weak by saying, you weren't seen to be admitting that your case was weak mm. by offering to settle. So that's a, so it's a good system, I think. And um, so, but the result of that is, is that if someone makes you an offer and you don't beat that offer, then there are cost consequences, basically, because cause if you know, what, what they're basically saying is, if you know the other side have made a reasonable offer and you've just charged your arm and gambled and lost, then you know they offered you the chance and they'll offered everyone the chance mm. to settle, uh, settle the case so there is a sort of a, a punitive cost measure there so i don't know what happened in that litigation but i suspect knowing seeing what katie hopkins is like and like you say just plowing on even though mm. she's proved to be wrong i suspect that, that that might have happened which is why the costs were so high as a result of which this is why she is where she is and she's in financial trouble um it's difficult to have sympathy for her because the problem is is that her whole brand is so noxious and so unpleasant and it seems like you say she seems to become this professional troll after the apprentice that was her that was her career that she chose really. That's how she wanted to keep herself in the public eye. And that seemed to be the kind of the route, wasn't it? Wanting to remain in the public eye. And she you know, it seems to mix with the most dreadful people, you know, really horrible mm. people. And that's what she wants to do, basically. And so part of me doesn't want to have any sympathy for her. Part of me then does want to keep a little bit of, of sympathy, or at least not to be so gleefully mm. gloating, because I know that she would do the same thing if the boot was on the other foot, and I don't want to drag myself down to her level. But then I do think, when it comes down to it, yes, she is awful and noxious, but she's in a we in a we're in a society in a culture whereby that she's allowed to do that isn't she she's a product of our times and when we talk yes. about her denying things that have even happened i mean it's the trump playbook isn't it we mm. live and, and to some extent i regret to say the corbyn playbook as well the, the populist playbook you are presented with something that you know that you've done or not done and something that is clearly true that can be factually evidenced and the reaction is to turn and go oh fake news mm. or or i don't see why this should affect me it doesn't matter and to undermine the sort of the people uh, to undermine any kind of fact checking or any kind of logical argument against you so whilst I, I hate the woman and I don't particularly feel sorry for her. She is a product of that. I mean, she, she, we live in a society that has allowed her to exist in which she can exist in a society that rewards her for that. So I think she's a symptom of a wider problem, really. Quite what is responsible for this growth in the last 10 years of spiteful... Mm. I was going to say journalism, but actually it's an insult to proper journalists to call it journalism. Oh, absolutely, uh, yeah. Is it you know, social media and its potential for toxic commentary that well, it's, has... It's, it's, yeah, it's, it, well, it's the idea that social media allows a veil of anonymity that that we didn't have in the past so it's this idea of keyboard warriors mm. i mean you you can you can be unpleasant you can say stuff on the internet to people i always think the rule of the internet is would you say that to someone's face if you were if you were accountable and the fact of the matter is you're not most of the time because you're behind a keyboard and i think mm. i think that is a big route it's given people maybe this was always in people this kind of malignancy but it's given 
certain people a, t- a chance to completely thrive i think in terms of newspapers you know we've, we've had this rise of katie hopkins richard little john rod little and so mm. on um there, there were always controversial columnists in the old days of fleet mm. street with gene oh, yeah. rook john Juno, george I've gale all about gene rook mm. God. The, the 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 first lady of Fleet Street, they used to emblazon her yes, column. Indeed. But maybe they too were, were trolls of the day. They, the, their day, they just didn't have Twitter, as you say, or other social media um, to, to escalate it. Or perhaps um, newspapers and TV companies, maybe they employed more lawyers in the old days when there was more mm, money around to weed out potential yeah. Because, as you rightfully point out, maybe Katie Hopkins could have done with running her tweets past a lawyer before posting them and she might still own that £900,000 house in in Devon. But would would she have done that even if she had the opportunity? There's clearly something in Katie Hopkins that just Mm. won't listen and speaking of sort of queens of of social media (laughs) um, there's there's a particularly, I'm sorry to take things on a dark turn here or darker turn Mm. here but there's a, I think social media and, and, and to go along this point that it doesn't have consequences or it feels like it doesn't have consequences because you can just slag people off online and, and keep an anonymous face I think that it isn't social media's fault as such but I think that because it feels like another reality, because mm. it feels like another world that's separate from well, this, this idea of IRL in real life the mm. idea that social media is not IRL it's something else, I think has then given a platform to people who are either very vulnerable or very unpleasant or start off being one and then become the other mm. to to think that they can do what they like because it's a different it's a different world. And I was struck by a, a case on the radio that was mentioned this week. I heard it on, on PM on Radio 4. Um, uh, she, was, it was, it was, she was convicted earlier in the summer, but I think the sentencing happened happened this week, hence why it was in the news mm. again. Um, there was a, a girl called Fatima Khan who was known as Ilford Snapchat Queen. Mm. So, uh, so there's a title, if ever there was mm. one, who um, has been... She uh, basically she's been convicted of of, uh, of orchestrating her boyfriend's killing. She posted um, she and a, another chap with a love rival uh, plotted to kill this poor asylum seeker from Afghanistan, Khalid Safi, who was eighteen. This woman herself, um, I think, is only about eight is is eighteen or nineteen. Oh, she's twenty apparently. So then, and these are young people. I would argue that even at that age, you're still not quite fully formed. Mm. Um, basically the love rival stabbed this poor man in the chest repeatedly and died and this woman who was a self-styled snapchat queen posted a video of basically had this poor chap dying in the pool of his own blood and as a result of which has been convicted and will probably not be out of prison for a very very long Mm. time but the point that i'm trying to make with it is that she was described and they reported the kind of judge's remarks on Mm. the radio and i was very struck by often they're quite pithy and they kind of get to the heart of a matter and she was described as apparently living her entire life online and I thought that was a very telling thing Mm. that actually I'm not you know I'm not defending it at all it's a dreadful Mm. behaviour but clearly people get something in them where they suddenly think that because you're because you're posting something online or your or a life is being presented online that is somehow real life or that is different mm. or gives you an exemption from real life so so you know i hate katie hopkins of course i do but but i think it just shows social media yes it doesn't doesn't have a lot to answer for but it but it, it has it's been an unfortunate petri dish for people who are unpleasant and or delusional to kind of think that there is no con it's a 
world in which there is no consequence and it is a simulation and the fact of the matter is it isn't there are sometimes things that bleed over i do feel sorry uh, oh, sorry no no dreadful <laughs> choice of words in the circumstances mm-hmm. apologies for that but you know there are things yeah. that spill over from one to another yeah i i mean i do feel uh, uh, very sorry for because they've lost everything for her husband and in particular mm. her children um that you know they, they've, yeah, they've I, I feel, had to ride on the same bus yeah. haven't they i i feel particularly sorry for the kids i mean mm. the husband i do to some extent feel sorry for mm. but equally you know it, it, we do have a choice as adults and and you know he i'm not you know i don't want to get into the realms of oh we should mm. and shouldn't be with her but mm. but you know it's the children i feel particularly sorry for because they don't have any agency in it do they no uh, coming next what's the appeal of instagram uh, that's that's right after teddy love i get what i want all that i want is a piece of your heart body and soul body and soul your body and soul your body and soul i get what i want all that i want a piece of your heart to some extent have a slight debate mm. off air as to how we should pronounce this person but it's 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 spelled teddy all lowercase which i find galling personally mm. but still and then a sort of less than sign you know the arrow that points to the right and then a three so to make it look like a heart so we've gone with teddy love um i heard that i think it might have been on an advert or something mm. and i just it, it just really struck me i just really liked it i thought it was it was good fun sort of um indie pop um this singer was previously known as, as teddy geiger i think mm. um we now define that well, teddy geiger is 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 uses the pronoun she um teddy geiger is is, is a sort of a transgendered artist but i just think this is a, a fantastic tune I, I was just really really keen on it really and it makes me dance around the kitchen and that to me is the sign of a good tune so that was body and soul 
Yeah, very accomplished singer, uh, songwriter and producer. Mm. I, I wish her well with that track. It's great. Absolutely, yes, well. Instagram describes itself on its website, uh, quoting now, a simple, fun and creative way to capture edit and show photos, videos and messages with friends and family, end of quote. By the way, the people at Instagram seem to have never heard of the Oxford comma, but that's a, a debate for, for another day. <laughs> they've also never heard of short sentences either. <laughs> no. That's not exactly a pithy, what does your project do? Bam, it's, 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 I don't think that will pass the elevator pitch. I think we'd be three floors up by now. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, essentially they mean post videos and photos and messages to share with people. And yet, <laughs> and, but, but yet, any simple fun and creative app or site that takes off these days seems inevitably to become a magnet for people who like to call themselves influencers mm. which, which seems a peculiar job title and, and looks as leaky as a sieve on a cv i should think i think it's what we would have called grifters back in the day, <laughs> grifters, I yeah i love that word there's plenty <laughs> of grifters on social media you come across well, I mean, them everywhere we, we always end up we you know we've talked about them previously haven't we really and mm. i can't believe we're now living in a world just as a side point we've talked about zoella mm. in the past haven't we perhaps mm. slightly despairingly i think um zoella's brother Joe Sugg, yeah. is now a contestant on Strictly Come Dancing. That's where we are now in the world. Which, of course, will lead to every single viewer over the age of 25 saying, Joe, who? Exactly. And and every, or, and or Googling him and mm. then falling down his wormhole of a grifty, sorry, I mean I mean the social media influencer, influencer. site. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a participant on Instagram, but Jules, I think you are a I am, yeah. regular poster. Maybe you're an influencer. Well, we'll find out. Um, <laughs> la- last week, your the Guardian uh, featured a piece about Instagram in which another Instagrammer was quoted as saying Instagram is a ridiculous lie factory made to make us all feel inadequate is that true Jules? Well, in lots of cases, I think it is, actually. Mm. And this was a pit that I think this was in particular a reference to a young lady who I think is an influencer, quote unquote, <laughs> uh, posting about having ha- you know, having her breakfast in the morning. And she was in this immaculate kind of bedroom mm. with, you know, very tasteful, expensive looking um, uh, sort of sheets and duvets and, and her drinking this sort of perfect cup of coffee and this perfectly ordered breakfast. And I have to be honest and say that is not a, an accurate reflection of how I eat my breakfast in the morning. If <laughs> get to it at all by and large so so um yeah i i think that again talking we seem to have a bit of a social media week this week but it is mm. it is the issue of our times i think um it does seem to be there are some again it, it preys on people's insecurities i think and there are some people that again use use social media particularly instagram which has which is so based around the use of imaging and that old chestnut a picture is worth a thousand words i think it really is in the case of instagram i quite like instagram i've i've got more into it over time as twitter has become more and more toxic mm. and kind of shoutier and shoutier um and also if you're posting a picture it seems to be less easy to post about life to post about about life crises on Instagram, which is what's increasingly <laughs> putting me off Facebook, I must admit, and having to do with other people's vague, um, vague mm. sort of under the UOK hun culture, as my friend puts <laughs> it. Um, I like Instagram because it's actually quite fun, and you, and and I I use it not to present, you know, all my life looks brilliant to people. I on my Instagram is 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 okay. I use it to post quirky things, basically, so mm. interesting things that I see um, or funny things that I see. Quite often, my shirts, and actually, weirdly, you talk about me being mm. an influencer. I am not an influencer on social media, and if I am, then that really is a sign that the world is broken beyond <laughs> repair, in my view. But I I Instagram seemed to be. Uh, 
the rise of Instagram seemed to be uh, bound in with the rise of the selfie, which let's not forget was the Oxford English Dictionary's word of the year in 2013. And um, and the idea that, again, this kind of idea that one has to constantly post oneself online in order to validate oneself. And I decided once I wanted to post a picture of my shirt, but I thought, I hate selfies. I find them, I do them occasionally, but I mostly find them to be self-indulgent and irritating. So um, I decided I would post a picture of my shoulder and the side of my head so that I was in this selfie without <laughs> actually being in it and and I just called it shirt and I would do the same thing most days whatever shirt I was wearing I would post a picture and people suddenly started to get really into it and I that's what I love about it so I, I, I feed them through to my other social media platforms so Facebook and Twitter and so once I started putting them up on once I started going to the Facebook people then put their own pictures underneath of them wearing their shirts in the same pose and I that's the thing I do like about social media because it, it's kind of in some senses it does encourage togetherness and shared experiences so there are things that i really like about instagram because you can kind of you can have fun with it and you can kind of test the format and that's that's what i like about it it started off as a kind of independent company and then facebook bought it as part of their ongoing war with twitter i think and so it's i've been owned by facebook for a few years and i very much enjoyed facebook instagram when it was independent and twitter gradually pinching bits of each other's business model in the end they will have all eventually be different versions different similes of the same um same website i think but i there is the danger with all social media that people like we said earlier on with this snapchat queen people start thinking that it is real life and then people we live in quite an anxious age i think for lots of reasons and in this kind of age of anxiety and insecurity it can again affect the vulnerable and people you know assuming that you know oh god you know this this is this person's life when actually all instagram is is a snapshot in time so i i have a friend from university who is lovely and one of the best things she ever did was on facebook once she posted a picture of herself covered in pseudocreme and her child covered in pseudocreme and crying and she said I just want to prove that you know people don't only you know life is not great all the time and I want people to see that actually there are days that are horrendous and I just want everyone to kind of get that as an idea and then uh, you know people really kind of I really loved that because I thought it was a great way of counteracting the idea that we edit the best pieces of our lives and that's what go up online so I think that Instagram is a lot of fun I like all these things. Drink responsibly. If used responsibly, I, I really like Instagram because I, I find it interesting and it's a kind of a nice way of switching off in that you can scroll through and look at people's pictures and look at their lives without, you know, having the toxic kind of debates of Twitter or the occasional drama of Facebook. But I, I see there are limitations to it, particularly if people take it too seriously and or you know it, it can again it's the idea of people being vulnerable and people making the mistake of thinking that it is real life rather than a version an edited version of real life it's a real um issue i was going to say danger but that's overstating it's a real issue with all social media i think including twitter and particularly facebook mm. that because people generally portray uh, the happiest most positive yeah. as- aspects of themselves then if you're scrolling through all these posts of people I don't know, eating breakfast on a gorgeous terrace in Tuscany, looking over vineyards and sunflowers, mm. and you're under the duvet in a chilly bedsit in uh, Swindon, then you feel that your <laughs> no life... Offense to any of no, no, no offence to anyone in Wiltshire. Then you feel that your life can't measure up to these apparent mm. high flyers, even though there have been so many cases 
of people, uh, the grifters, as you rightfully describe them, showing off their wealth and fabulous lifestyles, only for it to be revealed that it was all staged and they're still living at home with their with their mum. And I think nobody wins in in these games. The so-called influencers and success stories of social media, in this case Instagram, they must keep finding new ways to impress and along the way often try to get followers... Uh, to, to buy products, would join pyramid schemes and so on, as we've mentioned. And then whilst they're doing that, the youngster under that that duvet in Swindon or elsewhere um, struggles with feelings of a, a sort of inadequacy as their mm, life can't absolutely. possibly match these these influence. I think it's a, that that side of it is a rotten setup and a real negative yeah, aspect of ab- modern absolutely. life. Absolutely. But, but, uh, but if you do use Instagram, no, I couldn't agree more, but if mm. you use Instagram, it can be quite fun. And I, mm. I do, again, I like themes of Instagram. I've got a, a, a Again, another pal that that is, is a post on Facebook, and his thing of posting pictures is bad parking. <laughs> so he posts he posts pictures of you know people that have parked outside of lines, people that have parked mm. across three bays, people in, in in disability spaces, and it could become you know this kind of endless fountain of rage. But actually, again, like me and my shirts nowadays, anybody on Facebook would see that see someone parked badly will then post the picture onto Terry's Facebook and say, "I saw this and thought mm. of you." And it makes me laugh every time I see someone parked badly. I start laughing because <laughs> I t- I think I must take a picture of this because Terry will. Find it's entertaining so so yeah like you say there's a real malignant and dark side to it um i don't know what, what, this is perhaps something for you know uh what they call pse's sort of personal and social education in schools maybe maybe mm. this is something we need to start talking with young people about Yes, I, th- I think that's 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 the solution because nothing can be done about these apps and websites now. They're up and running, and it's just mm. it, it's well, it's the genie's embedded. out of the bottle, so we've got to exactly. try and deal with that. Yeah. Why suddenly is every other commercial on the television trying to sell <laughs> us a new mattress? Uh, who cares about mattresses? Let's find out about Juliet's mattress. Uh, <laughs> well, I was going to say, yeah, wait, come back. <laughs> that's right. After Cold War Kids.
peculiarity in that this single um, was certified as a gold seller. That is, it sold over 500,000 copies or units, as That's they say. That's a lot for a single in the modern world. really is. But the, the peculiar part of it is it, it didn't either reach anywhere on the Billboard Hot 100 or the UK Top 40. It just went on selling and selling strongly over a long period. So That's uh, really strange, hmm. isn't it? How you think if it sold that many that it must have? That's almost a mathematical improbability, mm. isn't it? Really, that it that it was that it sold consistently whilst not quite selling enough to be really. Yeah, that, that's really odd, it's isn't it? It's a real peculiarity. It's a big radio hit in the states, also to be found on their 2015 album "Hold mm. My Home" as Cold War Kids and First. Only. Uh, a generation ago, mums, dads, children, everyone would sleep on mattresses that really only got replaced when the springs drove through the material and spiked you in the yeah, back or, during or the night. Or maybe somebody died, yeah. <laughs> Probably as a result of their mattress, actually, come to think of it. Could have been a contributory factor. Um, uh, and then on top of you in the night, in these previous generations, you would have a sheet and some inadequate blankets to unsuccessfully try and keep out the cold. Any visitor to or anyone who lives in america has seen a revolution in the last 10 years when suddenly every other commercial is trying to persuade you to buy a new mattress as an essential to the new way of living in the 21st century in fact serena williams will turn up on your television in every commercial break urging you to buy a new mattress because this sleep is power and mm, I, 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 she'd know. She yeah, would absolutely. know. I, I don't know if there is any guarantee that if you buy Serena's mattress, you have a better shot at becoming number one ranked tennis player in the world. But she does think you'll sleep better. Now, this phenomenon is here in the UK. All these startup companies are taking out full page newspaper ads, buying up space for their TV commercials to sell you more and more mattresses. What's with this mattress revolution, Jules? And um, forgive the personal intrusion, but uh, how old is your mattress? My mattress is actually pretty much as old as my as my ownership of this flat because I decided I had a very very old bed, um, which I it's such a long story which no one's probably interested in. But basically, uh, when I moved out of living with my parents um, to live in a house share, which then collapsed the the share, not the house, um, or the, the bed. House still, yeah, indeed, I believe the house is still there as as indeed the bed was. Um, uh, at the same time of my moving out, my parents' then 90-odd-year-old 90, 90 neighbour, Sybil, who I still miss, by the way. She died at the age of 101, so she really did have a good innings. Um, she was moving into a, a care home at the same time. And so she said, oh, you could have all my own furniture. And to which I said, well, I must pay you for it. And then we had this ridiculous Dutch-style auction whereby she kept trying to drive me down as to how much money I could give her. And I kept trying to drive her up because I felt bad. As a result of which, I bought two beds off her, one of which I uh, we bought for my housemate and one that I had and I was very fond of that bed that bed was a, a key part of my life for reasons that I won't go into here but um but it was it was really sort of um it really felt a part of me and the mattress came with the bed and it became creakier and creakier it's quite an old bed I think it became creakier and creakier and in the end it was obvious that it was almost no longer fit for purpose so I bought a new bed and a mattress at the same time about three years ago and yeah the new mattress was was lovely and still is occasionally we have a ceremony called the turning of the mattress there's oh, yes. some sort of pageantry around that there's mm. sort of trumpeters and things um and 
so the funny so the weird thing about matches is is that it's a sort of thing which it's almost like public health advice you're always told to eat oily fish and no one ever quite kind of listens to that really it's it's sort of one of those things where or or you know walking for however many minutes a day one sort of vaguely aware that you should do it yet you never actually kind of get around to doing it really and the same with matches we're always told you know and this is not new necessarily but there seems to be a a kind of a mattress frenzy at the moment Mm. um you can have that name for your new band by the way anyone (laughs) listening um It's not bad, is it? It's I think you're right. Or, or an EP title. It's not bad at all. But anyway, um, so so it it seems to be a big thing at the moment. I don't know if it's part of again our theme this week of sort of grifting mm. and trying to sell things to people. Is it this season's trend? Is or has someone suddenly got onto the idea that you know again exploiting people's fears and exploiting the vulnerable because we are given health advice to look after our backs and 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 have good mattresses. The people then use this as an excuse to flog stuff. I don't know. It's quite. It is quite entertaining when you see these kind of adverts on TV and it, and it seems like every other advert is an advert for this sort of trend. Who, whoever thought well, look, we'd live in a world whereby various home basic homewares <laughs> start trending. I always, as people know I, I'm a big fan of podcasts and I listen to them a mm. lot and my first indication I mean we don't have adverts on this podcast no. and we and we made an editorial decision mm. some time ago not to have Absolutely. them and I'm glad that we did mm. but some of the podcasts that I do listen to do have advertising on them and I completely understand why mm. they why they do so i understand the economics of that and i'm a big fan of the new statesman podcast um but they have advertising but as part of their sort of deal at one point the presenters so the regular presenter the new statesman the main podcast uh, stephen bush and helen lewis both of whom were excellent but they had a a job where a sort of deal whereby they had to read out the adverts which were often really entertaining because it was quite clear they didn't really want to be doing it and one of the mattresses was Stephen one of the sorry rather the adverts was Stephen Bush talking about mattresses and and I used to joke with them on social media saying what will I do when we live in a world where Stephen Bush is not talking about mattresses because he'd go I had a great night's sleep using this great new mattress if you put our code in you can get 50 pounds off a mattress he used to really kind of ham it up and it was really entertaining now they and and then then they move on they have another advertising deal Helen Lewis got the slightly longer straw of having to talk about uh, Britain is great export from Britain uh, find out now basically there's all government propaganda about exploiting <laughs> uh, most recently they, they're now sponsored by a beer company sort of a, a craft beer home order company so the advert is them visibly audibly sorry rather opening beer and then enjoyably drinking it which I feel they've earned frankly having had Steve Bush having had six months having to reluctantly sell mattresses and razors to people so so I, I, I enjoy I'm enjoying mattresses because it always makes me laugh and think of think of people having to rather reluctantly sell things but I I, I don't know why matches are the new thing, mm. why people have latched on to it. It will be, I don't know, exercise bikes again in four years or something, mm. I think. I don't know. But, um, but yeah, I, um, I'm happy with my mattress. I don't need a through I mean, uh, don't get me wrong. I'm a big fan of Serena Williams. She seems excellent at tennis, but I, mm. I, I don't feel moved by her to buy something that I don't need. Um, a little insight into my world here. Oh, um, I always enjoy these. Mm, I... <laughs> I mean, I mean, I find them mildly alarming. I'm not going to lie, but they are always enjoyable as well. This this might alarm you. I follow Yoko Ono's methodology. Oh gosh, speaking of people that are enjoyable but alarming, yeah, yeah that's so, a theme, isn't so it? So, not only is every room in my house painted white, mm. uh, white oh, walls. Wow. Oh gosh, you are the Marie Kondo mm. of, yeah. of the Surrey Hills, aren't yeah. you? Really, really, yes, yeah, it's, it's true. And um, I, I have white sofas. 
Um, oh gosh, yeah. I can never come round to your house. That that will not be a place that I will be able to be. I think. I, what, I think it would end badly. White throws on the white sofas, and also crucially, I only have white bed linen, um, <laughs> white sheets, pillowcases, and white duvet covers. Wow. It's quite okay. virginal, all this, isn't it? Really, yeah, but really, yeah. But my best um, bed-related purchase, which which mm. is, is is white, um, has been. Quite an expensive. It only got this about two weeks ago. Quite an expensive. Oh wow! But, yeah, yeah. Honestly, I, I tell you to update me with your news oh, every week. Sorry, clearly I've, you're not. Yeah, I've let you down on this, but I'm, I'm bringing it to you now. It's quite an expensive but excellent mattress topper. But hold hmm. on, it's heated. So. Oh, wow. Genuinely, I would. I, I know I'm taking the what's it here, but I would find that quite quite good actually. It's fantastic. You can set a timer and have either or both of your feet and your upper body, so you can just do your feet. Oh, or so your it's upper like bit. so it's like a localized electric uh, blanket. Absolutely, uh, on a lovely mattress topper, <laughs> and um, so you're enclosed in this lovely, warm, soothing duvet and, and sort of mattress of joy and that's about my favorite thing in the world now sliding into my delicious heated mattress topper well as tempting as it is to take the what's it out of you i that would be a life that i would very much enjoy as well so i don't think i can really realistically cheese you on this that's that that sounds perfect frankly and oh speaking of, of our occasional strange obsessions that we fall mm. into on on this podcast um i have been very much enjoying watching junk tv a lot at the moment because i'm very busy in my work life so so mm. i go i come home and watch rubbish but i watch really specific rubbish and i've very much got into repeats on one of the satellite channels mm. i think it's really one of the one mm. of the digital channels of alex polizzi's hotel inspector oh, series yes, yes. She's great. One of my life's ambitions is to be called Darling by Alex Pelletti now, I think. I've added that to the list. But she seems to use... There are many different ways in which she says the word darling. I quite enjoy it. Uh, it's, it's used aggressively. It's used sympathetically. It's used purposefully. It's great. Um, and she obviously goes and looks around at failing hotels, get her in. Usually hmm. small independent hotels get her in to have a look. And yes, the programme follows a format, as all of these reality programmes do. But it is quite entertaining. But she admits herself that she goes through individual obsessions and this whole series that I'm watching at the moment, each one begins with her inspecting all the rooms in the hotel when she first gets there and the first thing she does is, is there a mattress protector? And she said the other day, this is my new obsession at the moment, is there a mattress protector? So I would advise people, if you're expecting me to sleep on your bed please can you have a mattress protector? Because the thought of you not having a mattress protector, mm. a person that wants me to sleep in your bed, is just not worth thinking about, really. That's well worth knowing, and we can all, we'll all make a note of that. You know, if the occasion arises. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, yeah. I'm happy to, you know, I'm happy to go on tour next year and mm. inspect people's mattresses. That's fine. Now, Jules. When you're not influencing on Instagram... Oh, absolutely. When I'm not flogging... In, I've never been approached by a shirt manufacturer, by the way. If anyone's interested, do get in touch. When you're not doing all of those things and inspecting mattresses, where might we find you this week? Well, you hmm. can find me at the... Uh, well, so firstly, you can find me online. Um, so you can find me doing Indie Wines Land this coming Ooh. Wednesday, Wednesday the 26th of September on Barricade Radio, um, doing Indie Alt Rock and Miscellaneous live from 8 until 10pm, barricaderadio.com or on TuneIn. So please do get in touch. Um, we also... Um, I'm also doing... I'm DJing at the Dragon Bar in Hastings on Friday the 28th of, uh, of, um, of September. September. That's the month, isn't it? Yep, uh, by myself rather than with Bongo Demi, oh. who unfortunately is rather other, otherwise engaged for the minute. But um, but I will be doing that by myself. So do pop along if you're in the area, 8 until 11 p.m. That's what I'm doing. That's the thing that's happening. 
Thanks to you for listening. Mm, as always. And thanks to executive producers Rona and Hilly. Um, mm, as again, as always. Jules, each year you're our Mercury Music Prize correspondent. That and is true, yes. You've been watching the judging for us again this year. I have, yes. I was very sad by the result of this mm. year's Mercury Music Prize. I think I've finally fallen out of love with it. Um, I was very disappointed that this particular album didn't win because I know that everyone always has their choice, but for me this genuinely was the standout out album mm. on the uh, on the on the list um uh, i thought this artist was the most interesting of all of them and uh, the wolf alice were the were the winner of the mercury music prize this year um which i was a bit frowny about given that there was a, a huge the, the te- i quite like the ceremony being on television now we watched all the performances and you know huge mm. diversity in performers and music and that sort of thing and it went to an all-white indie band which i thought was disappointing what i what i was particularly irked by was how graceless their acceptance speech Oh, really? Um, it was really, I mean, so, so the, the woman that fronted them uh, was, you know, started off obviously being a bit overwhelmed and trying mm. to make the speech. And then one of the, because it's a woman and three men, and one of the uh, one of the men then um, made, made this very kind of, oh, we were told we wouldn't get anywhere and we'll F you all, and was really oh, kind no. of, you know, I yeah, know, quite belligerent. And I, 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 that left a taste in my mouth because mm. I thought that if this woman that we're going to play a record of now had won I think she would have made a really interesting and articulate speech and mm. I was frustrated not to hear that speech because I think it would have been great um, well, the woman in question is called Nadine Shah she's got a very interesting background she's also a big fan of cricket apparently and um, <laughs> Felix White from the Maccabees it's a conversation you never thought you'd have Felix White <laughs> from the Maccabees uh, another previous banner, I think I've been nominated for the Mercury's more than once, um, writes for Wisdom, the cricketers' magazine, oh. and interviewed her about her supporting of Pakistan because Nadine Shah is of partly uh, partly Pakistani descent, I think. I think she's what they call mm. a second-generation sort of immigrant, if you mm. see what I mean. And she's, she's from the northeast originally, so this is kind of very... Very sort of odd combination that she was born in Whitburn in South Tyneside to an English mother from South Seals of part Norwegian ancestry and a, and a pa- Pakistani father. So there's a lot mm. going on in her background, mm. and there's a lot going on in her music as well. And this album that she that she made that was nominated, which wasn't her first, but is is called Holiday Destination. I think it's her third. Um, it's got so much to say about about modern Britain and the modern world, and so much to say about sort of refugees and and sort of how we interact with the world and how we feel when we go to other places and that sort of thing. And and she wrote a song called um, 2016, which exactly I don't know what, if this is just me, but it, as someone, a woman in her early 30s, it really spoke to a lot of my anxieties. It's music that's really trying to say something, and I'm sorry that that wasn't rewarded really because I think she would have been very. I think she it was a, a well. It would have been deserved, and I think she would have said she would have had certainly more interesting things to say. So, um, so I would recommend anybody to grab this album to have a listen to it. Some of my friends have criticised her for being a bit quote unquote worthy, and she's got quite an intense voice, so I can see why it might take a little while to plug in. But, but it's worth your time, I think. Her name's Nadine Shah. The album is called Holiday Destination, and uh, this from that album is placed like this.
You have been listening to a DAC Media production.